You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and on today's show, one of the original members of the show, John Kegley, on with us. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers now for six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Alright guys, what is up? Let me first start by saying thank you to everyone who is checking us out for the first time today. We really appreciate it and a special thank you to our loyal fans for checking back in with us today because today we are going to be getting into our end of season awards, aka also known as the dumb name, the Bolties, including our favorite Bolty award, the What the F*** moment of the year. We will be getting into the Bolties in the second and third segments of the show, but we're going to start with talking about Gus Bradley going to the Raiders and taking some Chargers coaching staff with him. So we'll talk about what the loss of Gus Bradley means for the Chargers and if we're upset about it or not, and also the loss of Ron Miles, which hurts a lot, and then also Richard Smith. So let's go ahead and get into it. The Las Vegas Raiders announced on Tuesday that they are hiring Gus Bradley to be the Raiders defensive coordinator and this is only news by the fact that we weren't really exactly sure which of the Chargers coaching staff had been laid off. We're not even still sure if he did or, you know, they just saw this, the writing on the wall and knew that a new coach was probably going to come in and then bring in their own staff and all of those things. So he is now with the Las Vegas Raiders and I think a lot of Charger fans are probably pretty happy about that, but I can't start start talking about this without just talking about the fact that the Raiders, you know, social media team put out a picture and welcomed Gus Bradley to the Las Vegas Raiders, but actually accidentally used a picture of Ken Wisenhunt. So that was pretty Raiders thing of them, to, a pretty Raiders thing of them to do. But John, I know that we were all kind of advocates. I mean, if potentially even letting Gus Bradley go a midway through the season. So now that he's officially not with the Chargers and now that he's on the Raiders, what are your thoughts? Good riddance. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you're on the Raiders now because now I'm pretty sure Herbert will be able to throw for 400 to 500 yards just slowly moving up and down the field on you with your cover three. I think the only thing going for Bradley is that the Raiders have a better defensive line, but corners-wise, they're not that great, so it's only a matter of time that you could hold on to the ball and get rid of get rid of the ball without getting sacked. So with, the thing with, with Herbert is he gets the ball quick. Gus Bradley's defense works great with Herbert. I don't get what the Raiders are trying to go for here. You're getting Gus Bradley who couldn't stop anybody with the lead and now you have him like what I don't know what the move is here. You would have to think have to it has to be because no the Chiefs games, right? Just cuz you know, he has held the Chiefs a little bit down and Patrick Mahomes a little bit down. You have to think that plays some factor. I just don't get it. Like there's only a certain amount of time you can hold the ball without getting hit. At some point it's got to be when is the Raiders going to get someone that can blitz really well? <laughs> right? I mean, if you're going to play against Patrick Mahomes, you need the blitz. You need to be able to get Patrick Mahomes thrown off his back foot and hopefully it's overthrown by accident or something. With the Chargers, yeah, he had some pretty good games against Patrick Mahomes, but in the end he was still scoring over 20 points a game every single game. He held him pretty good, but is the Raiders offense going to be able to keep up every single year like they did this year? I, mean, I don't think so. 
Well, and I think one of the things that confuses me the most is just if you are a Gus Bradley defense, it starts with being able to get pressure without the blitz, right? You have to have a good four-man front where you can get after the quarterback without having to send extra men. And the Raiders are one of the worst pass rushing teams in football last season. So that part of it doesn't really link up. And I think it's funny to see a lot of the people bringing up stats, you know, like Gus Bradley's had a top 10 defense for most of his time with the Chargers. But that's just, I mean, misleading stats, to be honest. Yes, in yards allowed, he was pretty good. Never worse than 15th. But that has so many different factors as far as field position. Like the Chargers had the worst field position given up this year. Their opponents started closer to the end zone more than any other team in the NFL. So, I mean, that's going to be less yards they can gain to get that touchdown. But I think when you look at the things that really hurt him, I mean, the points per game that he allowed actually got worse in every season. Third in 2017, then eighth, then 14th, then 23rd in 2020. But the other thing was he couldn't get any pressure. I mean, they started out sixth in sacks in his first season with the team with 43. The last two years, they've been 28th with 30. And this year, 20, 25th with 27. So his sack number has actually gone down every season. And his takeaway percentage and third down percentage have both been awful. I mean, last two years, the Chargers have been 32nd and 22nd in takeaways respectively and then their third down percentage was 29th last season at 45.1 percent of the time they would allow a first down on a third down this year they were 22nd with a 43.6 percent conversion rate I mean David when you look past just the initial numbers Gus Bradley's defenses haven't really been good with the Chargers no they have not and you know it's not a very exciting brand of defense either I mean you said it they don't blitz you know they don't really get that many takeaways because of their cover three scheme their, their scheme is meant to really limit explosive plays. The bend-but-don't-break style is just not that effective. I mean, the, the Chargers have all, always been mediocre, but they've never been a defense that you felt like was going to just dominate. I mean, they've had those one or two you know games here and there every season where they look a lot better than you expect, but there's no consistency there. And my major problem that I've said many times about Gus Bradley is that his game plan, it seems like during the week when he puts that together on Sunday, that's what it is. I mean, they're executing that game plan. They are so rigid with that. There is very little adjustment in game. And that's why a lot of the times, you know, they couldn't hold leads because, you know, the de- the offense would adjust to them and the defense would never adjust back or never counter. If you can't counterpunch, you're going to get knocked out. And that's why I am happy that Gus Bradley is gone and even happier that he's now the defensive coordinator of the Raiders. Well, the thing is, is bend don't break defense actually works pretty well, but you have to have a four-man front that's actually effective. Look at the Giants in the Super Bowl in 07 against the undefeated Patriots. Gus Bradley, when he actually had this, the Seahawks' defense, I mean, he had a front four in the – in, with the Seahawks, the Giants had an amazing front four in the Super Bowl. It works if you have four defensive linemen that are getting pressure by themselves because then you have to hurry up and figure out what to do with the ball, and more than likely the offense is going to screw themselves over, and that's what you plan on. With Gus Bradley, he never adjusted to his players. You obviously didn't have that four-man front, so you never adjusted. I think that's his main thing. There was no adjustment to the players, no adjustment to game plan, no adjustment to the opponent's adjustments. It was just whatever I have is what we're going to do. Deal with it. When if you have a good defense, you don't blow four consecutive 16-point leads. And a lot of that had to do with the offense as well. But it's hard to point to that and say, yeah, that's good. I mean, and just another way that the numbers can kind of lie to you. I mean, if you look at 2019th, 
in 2019, they were sixth as far as yards allowed. But when you look at their DVOA from Football Outsiders, they were the 25th ranked defense. This year, they were the 20th. So I think when you watch Charger games, you know, hey, like sometimes they're dominant in the first half. And I think that's what's so frustrating is they're good. And then they can be so bad in the second half of a game. But also just it hasn't worked. And when you watch the Chargers, it doesn't seem like it's a good defense. And I think really when you look deeper into the numbers, that kind of backs that up. But one of the things that does hurt is losing Ron Miles, who's the Chargers defensive backs coach. He's been, you know, one of the better, you know, most exciting coaches that the Chargers have had. And now he has gone with Gus Bradley to the Raiders along with Richard Smith. And David, obviously the Jack boys were kind of created with Ron Miles. He's the guy that seems to be kind of, you know, propelling that group to being so rambunctious, I would say, as far as their energy and just the swagger that they have and all of those things. And I do think that he was a really good coach. And I think this is the one that hurts out of the two of them. Yeah, I was not excited to see this. I mean, I really was an advocate for Ron Miles to get a look at defensive coordinator with the Chargers. I think that's something that he's earned, you know, throughout his tenure. He's been here a long time. He's been able to really grow a lot of, you know, subpar talent and also foster some extremely talented players and, and you know, help guys like Michael Davis and, and be able to, you know, unleash guys like Rayshon Jenkins to a point and more so Derwin James. Uh, but I mean, he's done a lot. I mean, a lot with you know with with what's been given to him, and and it it's really hard to see him go to the Raiders with Gus Bradley because it just felt like it was his time to get that opportunity to move up in his coaching ranks. And I was hoping that was going to be with the Chargers, but that's the business. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty for for coaches, especially when you know your head coach is gone. You don't you just don't know if you're going to have a job tomorrow. So jumping out of chance for job security at this po- point in time, I mean, it makes sense. It does make a lot of sense because he could be waiting the whole time and having some jobs pass him by just to have a new coach come in and really clear out the entire coaching staff. So I don't blame any coach on the Chargers if they're still technically employed by them to you know jump at any opportunity they can. And there also have been talks about Shane Steichen or Pep Hamilton going up to Seattle to potentially fill that offensive coordinator role. We'll get more into that tomorrow probably, but yeah, I think it is really hard to make, you know, oh, hey, we're promoting you to defensive coordinator and then have a new guy come in and say, hey, like I want to bring in my own staff. So now are you not taking that head coach because you already have a defense coordinator and he wants to bring in his own guy? It's really tough when you don't have a coach like this, especially when you're being patient in the process and kind of letting things play out in the playoffs and making sure you get, you know, everyone that you want to interview and get the best feeling that you can on who should be taking over this team. So it's tough, but I do think Ron Miles is going to hurt. And I think seeing Gus Bradley twice a year won't be that bad, but we do have two more segments to get into because we are getting into our bolty awards. So coming up in the next segment, we'll be getting into the comeback player of the year, the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment. And we'll be getting into that right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that you're unique and so are your taxes. TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you, learn about your unique tax situations, and answer your questions. And on top of all that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and want some reassurance from an expert that you're doing the things right. Maybe you're now self-employed and need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction. Or maybe you'd rather have an expert file your taxes for you so you can focus on what matters most. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live tax experts can answer your questions Give tax advice, review your return before you file, or even do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live, file with the help of an expert, or let an expert file for you. 
Alright guys, well it's time to get into our 2020 Bolty Awards. I mean, it does sound kind of weird because it is 2021, but these were our end of season awards for the 2020 season. And we didn't really want to get into just, you know, MVP, Justin Herbert, Offensive Player of the Year, Keenan Allen, Defensive Player of the Year, Joey Bosa. I mean, those awards are kind of, you know, give themselves away. There's really no conversation either for any of those awards, I would say. So we wanted to get into something a little bit different. And I think we have some fun ones. Most of the funner ones are going to be at the end. But I did want to take a look at something that's an NFL award and something I think is always important because it's always cool to see someone go from not being able to play, get injured or something like that to coming back the next year and having a strong season. So, David, the first award we're starting with is the Comeback Player of the Year Award. Who do you have that going to on the Chargers? So this award uh, for Comeback Player of the Year is going to be for a guy who we have publicly criticized on this show. I mean, and criticized quite a lot. And he's actually responded to that criticism and, and, and recognized that. So it is my pleasure to give the Comeback Player of the Year award to Denzel Perriman. I think Denzel Perriman came back this year and was better in coverage. He was his usual uh, attacking self in the run game, you know, shooting gaps and making great tackles. Um, it was nice to watch. I mean, I know it was in, in, a, in limited fashion. He wasn't starting. He was a rotational type of player. But maybe that's where he's at his best. I mean, either way, I feel like this was probably one of his best years as a professional. I mean, he doesn't have super gaudy stats. But if you watched him on a game-by-game basis, he was a difference maker for this defense. So Denzel Perriman's my comeback player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. This is a guy who made a lot of big plays in the run game set the tone in some games and was able to play a lot more games this year health-wise so it's got to be Denzel Perryman yeah I think that's a great you know pick for that and for mine I'm gonna go a little bit off the wall just because of the story of the guy and I'm gonna go with Forrest Lamp just because his first three seasons in the NFL he barely played it all only because of injuries last year he got a starting job and then lost it after Mike Pouncey's injury he lost it because of another injury and Forrest Lamp was able to come back for all 16 games in 2020 so even though it was uneven it was basically the man's first season so my comeback player of the year bolty award goes to forest lamp but let's get into the next i like that one yeah i mean it was one that's a little off the wall just because he didn't play great but i mean it was really nice to see that guy be able to play a full season so let's get into our biggest surprise and i think i mean there's definitely a few different options you go with here i mean justin herbert has to kind of be the biggest surprise but john i'll start with you this time for your biggest surprise word who are you going with I'm going to go Jalen Guyton. Uh, this is a guy who came on and became our deep threat. I did not expect him to become our deep threat. I know during the offseason we talked a lot about him being the fastest guy on the team, but I don't think any of us expect him to fill the Travis Benjamin role as well as he did. I mean, I think that Jalen Guyton could honestly be the comeback player of the year award winner too just because when he was part, he was part of this team in 2019, he was just such an afterthought on this team that it really – you really didn't think of him as a legitimate wide receiver three going into the season. He didn't record a catch in 2019, even though he played with them for about half the season. So I love that pick of Jalen Guy. And I could think you could make the same argument for Tyron Johnson, who is who I would pick for this year, just because that's an undrafted guy who we didn't even think would get a shot with the Chargers drafting two wide receivers this year. So mine goes to T. Billy. David, who are you going with? I'm actually going to agree with you, Daniel, and go T-Billy just because not only was he a great deep threat, but he actually developed his route running skills towards the end of the season, and he really earned himself another opportunity with the Chargers. So really liked what I saw from Tyron Johnson. Yeah, I think he did too. I think he at least made it a conversation of you know him sticking with this offense going forward, and we'll see what happens with the new coaching staff. 
Honorable mention, Sam Tevy. Only allowed two sacks this year. Tevy wasn't great, but starting at left tackle was my nightmare for Sam Tevy. Played much better than I thought. So let's get to the biggest disappointment. Agreed. I mean, as far as disappointments go, I mean, the only reason you make this list is just because we were so excited to see you, you know, and like you have big expectations. You think someone's going to break out. So this is a tough award to give out, but I mean, someone definitely earns it every year. So David, who are you going with your biggest disappointment? Yeah, I mean, I, I like how you frame this because this was a guy that I was really excited about, and it's Brian Belaga. I mean, Brian Belaga came in, was supposed to be a big free agent for the Chargers, only played in 10 games and left a lot of them due to injury. And it just, I was ex- expecting a lot more from Brian, and this was just an underwhelming season for me. Yeah, and it's tough to, you know, get this kind of award because of an injury, not just because you played badly. And when Brian Belaga was in, he actually played well. You know, I, he actually looked good when he was able to be out there, but so many games missed. So many games leaving early because of injuries. John, who were you going with with your biggest disappointment? Got to be Casey Hayward for me. Oh, that's a good one. Got to expect a big year out of him, expecting more interceptions, a lot of good coverage. We're we're thinking of him as a top 10, top 5 corner in the league, and he comes down, he's getting beat deep. Not a good year for him. Major disappointment in my mind. And I think that Nazir Adderley and Jerry Tillery probably go into this as well, just because when you're looking back at that draft class in 2019, I just finished my last Tom Telesco article for the LA Football Network, but it's hard to look at that class and say any of those guys are good at this point, that we know they're good players. If there was one that was close, it would be Drew Tranquil, who obviously played very well his first season, made an impact on special teams and all those things, but he obviously missed pretty much this entire season, but... Jerry Tillery. Well, I Go ahead. I would argue that with Jerry Tillery, he actually looked a lot better on the outside than he did in the middle. So I was going to pick him at first, but when I thought about him being on the defensive end, he played a lot better. So I don't think he's a, a complete disappointment. I think he's a complete disappointment for me just because even when he got to the outside, it's not like he was getting sacks. He still wasn't getting great pressure from the outside. And the biggest thing was is he was still getting pushed around and he still couldn't get contained on the outside. So it's like if you're going to get bullied on the outside as much as you do on the inside, which has always been a problem for him on the defensive interior, what are you really good at? You know what I mean? So I thought that he definitely flashed. I mean, he got a lot of pressure early on playing on the outside, and I think that's where he'll be. I mean, we've heard that's where he'll be going forward. But when you make that pick and you think you're going to get an interior pass rush and now two seasons into it, I think you're still looking for an interior pass rush. I mean, that is a little bit disappointing. And then for Nazir Adderley, we thought he was going to be behind Rayshon Jenkins all year. He ends up getting to start the entire season and just didn't look great. I mean, he was a step late to a lot of a lot of plays. He missed a lot of tackles. I think his tackling got a little bit better towards the end of the season, but there were some moments of softness there. But let's remember what Rayshon Jenkins looked like in his first year at free safety, right? And I think he could be either one of those guys could be the free safety going forward for the Chargers, depending on who takes over. But, but I, I think you got to go honorable mention though for this has got to be Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly's got to be part of this too. Yeah, I know. I 100% agree. And the reason it's a disappointment, too, is just because he got early opportunities. He played well early on, you know, averaged more than five yards per carry in two of his first three games, and then only did it one more time in his last 10 games, including a couple healthy scratches. The fumbles definitely hurt his confidence early in the year. Fumbles in back-to-back games. But yes, Joshua Kelly, unfortunately, I think fits in this profile as well. But we do have four more Balti awards to get into, including the What the F*** award. Coming up right after this, but first I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is the BetOnline.com. 
Chargers.ag. If you guys want to go bet on who you think the Chargers' next coach is going to be, if you guys want to go bet on who the Super Bowl winner is going to be, and a lot of fun prop bets all along the way through these NFL playoffs, there's only one place to go, and that is betonline.ag. And I say that because it's the only place that has you covered and the one place that we trust, as well as them giving you guys some free money. Because if you guys sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for a 50% welcome bonus. There's only a few more weeks to bet on football, guys, so make sure you get in on the action and add some juice to those games by signing up at betonline.ag and using the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the last parts of our Bolty Awards for the 2020 season. I know the biggest disappointment is something that is always a little weird because you don't like to, we don't honestly like to openly bash players, but we also do. Want to keep it real. We're not going to pretend that, you know, players are playing well when we don't actually believe it. So I do hate people that just want to totally rip players apart. But at the same time, we have some lighter humored stuff for this last Bolty Award section. So let's get into it. And let's start with the game of the year. And this is a weird one because obviously you think you'd want to go with the Chargers wins. They had seven of them, which is much more than it looked like, you know, going into week 13. But there's a lot of games to pick from, but even some of the wins kind of felt like losses. So, David, when you're looking at the best game of the year in your eyes, which one would you pick? Yeah, I mean, so my best game of the year was the second Raiders game when they came back and, and they won in overtime when, you know, that was a really a back and forth game all the way through. And, uh, you know, it was an exciting end and it was just fun watching Justin Herbert author a comeback and finish it off himself with a touchdown and iconic soundbite. I was in, I was in. Yeah, just a great soundbite there. That right there was my best game of the year. And always winning in walk-off fashion is always going to be one of the most exciting games, especially in overtime, and especially after how the first game went. John, where are you going with it? Well, I'd like to pick the Dolphins game since I was there, but uh, apparently I was the only one that showed up because the Chargers sure as hell didn't. (laughs) But... uh, I kind of want to go with the Falcons game for some personal reasons, but also just that game, which is an absolute heart attack waiting to happen. Sure. Turnovers left and right, a lot of big plays, and then it comes down to the, a walk-off field goal. It was an amazing game. I, I have to go with that one, but the Raider game is also probably a really close second. Yeah, I definitely get that. And I think if I was going to go with a game that should have been the game of the year, I would say that it's probably the New Orleans Saints game. Just because Justin Herbert, first time on Monday Night Football, only started for a couple of weeks and goes against Drew Brees and puts up four touchdowns, over 300 yards, no interceptions, and also led what would have been the game-winning drive had Michael Badgley made the 50-yard field goal as time expired. But... That one should have been the game of the year. I think it has to end up going to Jacksonville, though, just because that was Herbert's first win. They came back after they had blown a 16-point lead, and then obviously beating the Raiders is always special. Beating the Raiders for your first time is special, but walking off and doing it was a great moment for the Chargers. But let's get into the next one. That is the Next Man Up Award. So this is for the player. You know, there's such a cliche like, hey, you know, if we lose somebody, the next, next man up. And, like, you can say that until it's Derwin James and you don't have somebody that can come in and be the next man up. But I did think there were some backups that performed really well this year. David, where would you go with your Next Man Up Award for 2020? Well, besides having one of the most amazing names in sports, I mean, this guy actually came in and played Pretty well. I mean, especially down the stretch. And that guy is Storm Norton. I I really liked what I saw from him. So uh, that's why this award goes to Storm Norton. I just uh, really appreciated the way he played. Definitely was a great next man up. John, where are you going for this one? 
Well, it's kind of not a popular name, but I, I believe Kalen Balaj is your backup running back. I think he should probably be your future backup running back after what I saw this year. Yeah, I like that. I think Steven Anderson late in the year. I mean, if you could combine him and Donald Parham for stepping up the last couple of weeks when Hunter Henry was out and on the COVID-19 list, which obviously, I mean, even Hunter Henry should have gotten a mention in the comeback player of the year award because just because he wasn't hurt this year and had that taken out. If it wasn't, you know, COVID-19 in 2020, he would have played in every game. So I think Hunter Henry definitely should be on the list for comeback player of the year. But those guys stepping up behind him were great. But I'm going to take the easy one here and go Justin Herbert, right? When Tyrod Taylor accidentally gets his lung punctured, and then you have Justin Herbert as your backup quarterback to come in and be the greatest rookie quarterback of all time. Seems like a pretty easy answer. I can't believe you guys missed that one. All right, so the next one is another kind of original one we wanted to get to, and that is the Get the Bag Award. And I thought this one was great just because there's so many players that have really, really good years on the last year of their contract and are setting themselves up to get the bag. So, John, when you're looking at the guys who have expiring contracts for the Chargers this year, who do you think wins the Get the Bag Award? Michael Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's with the answer. Casey Hayward. Absolutely. <laughs> with Casey Hayward's bad year and the potential of Michael Davis being our new number one corner, it's it's got to be him. David, I mean, I heard your some agreement. Do you have anyone else or are you sticking with Michael Davis? Nope. Michael Davis is going to get paid this offseason. Yeah, I think that Rayshon Jenkins probably deserves at least some mention because, I mean, I think, you know, he has gotten better, right? I mean, it was his fourth year this year playing another new position, going back to strong safety, but he never really started for the team at strong safety very much, even before, you know, Derwin James came into the picture. So I do think that he deserves some credit. And I think Hunter Henry earned himself a lot of money too, because I think if he had signed last year before some big tight end extensions happened, he would be getting paid a lot less this offseason. As it is, he ends up having a career year in pretty much everything except for touchdown reception. So I think he made himself a little bit of money there. So let's get into the final Bolty Award. And this is my personal favorite Bolty Award. And that is the What the F*** Moment of the Year Award. And I think with Anthony Lynn and all the clock management and game management issues that we've seen this season, I mean, there was a lot of What the F*** moments. A long list. A long list of What the F*** moment so it was a very hard list to whittle down uh john i'm very excited to hear your what the f- moment please tell me well it should be moments and it's uh michael badgley what the f- make a field goal make a game-winning field goal make a lead-taking field goal i don't know what happened to you after your injury your confidence whatever it is make a field goal get the win you cost herbert some games this year especially the saints game as we mentioned earlier for what could have been game of the year that could have been Herbert's first win. Would have been against Drew Brees, a good quarterback, and you cost him it. You cost the whole team a bunch of wins this year. I mean, that's I've, I said what the f- many times when Michael Badgley was out kicking on the field in 2020. David, yeah, my what the f- moment of the year was Shane Steichen running the ball with no timeouts, not once, which time, but <laughs> twice. So yes, I definitely said what the. F- Twice because I cannot believe my eyes watching those play calls. Oh my god, I feel like like during the year refreshing, but now we're all sitting around laughing at this. <laughs> it's a lot funner to say what the f- after the fact than when the Chargers are currently blowing games. But anyways, I mean those are great what the f- moments, and we had a lot of them as Charger fans this year. I mean <laughs> my what the f- moment of the year has to be if uh, I mean it's tough because 
the what the f of just having two, you know, fades in the end zone, both get dropped by Mike Williams and Donald Parham. That was pretty what the f but what takes the cake for me has to be the moment in a game that you're talking about, David, against the Buffalo Bills after the running with no timeouts and all of the stuff, even in the other game they did it in too against the Falcons. I think the one that sticks out to me was Justin Herbert going up with three seconds left in a game clock when you're down by two scores and he runs a quarterback sneak while his offensive line is pass blocking. And I think, John, that is just symbolic of the entire what the f*** season. Just straight com miscommunication, unprepared. <laughs> and then Anthony Lynn's press conferences. Can we get a what the f*** for that too? Herbert's a, Herbert's a backup for a reason. And then with that quarterback sneak you just mentioned, there was just a miscommunication. How many times did Lynn say there was a miscommunication? It's just a miscommunication a between him and Steichen. Herbert and the offensive line, him and Herbert, saying Herbert's a backup for a reason. The offseason saying he has faith in players that nobody cares about that are absolute failures. <laughs> It's a long list of Anthony Lynn quotes. Oh, yeah. There's a long list, and there's a long list of what the f moments. And my, you know, honorary what the f just goes to the entire special teams unit of the Chargers. I mean, what the f, man? That was historically bad what we saw from the Chargers this year. But that is going to wrap up the 2020 Bolty Awards. And yes, we know it's a dumb name, and that's kind of why we love it. But that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope we kind of turned a boring you know season award show into something that you guys really enjoyed but make sure you check back in with us tomorrow because we have gilbert manzano from the oc register coming on the show and we'll get into the chargers head coaching search justin herbert's crazy year and much more with him for tomorrow's show so make sure you guys check back in with us then but until then make sure to follow us on twitter at locked on lac and to like the facebook page at locked on chargers as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Music, wherever you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And subscribing is always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to get your voicemails on the show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we're trying to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. But make sure you guys are back with us tomorrow with Gilbert Manzano. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.